Wow, good morning church. It's my joy to be here with you this morning again. Uh, Thank you so much, Pastor, for giving us an opportunity to come back to this great congregation. Uh, The last time I I came to see you, it was in your church, and um, I'm glad that today you are here. I had the good news that you are building your church. In Rwanda, building a church is very important. Uh, especially in my diocese. We like building a church because of a number of reasons. One is we believe that a church is kind of a representation of God's physical presence amongst his people. Like we have our homes and we like having a community of worship or a place, a center where people can worship. So that makes us like to build a church so that we kind of like have a sign of God's house amongst our own houses. So that's one way why we just like that building, just having the building. Two, it is a center of worship, which we call a place of worship, just where we can go and worship. Worship by prayer, praise, or worship by meeting our friends. Worship by having a cup of tea, you know. <laughs> so there are quite several reasons why we really like um, to do that. But I want to bring you greetings from Rwanda, especially from my family, my wife, and my my children. Uh, you remember when I was here the last time, I was, uh, we were doing a school with Richard in Kigali, which happens to be the capital city of Rwanda. They did it. The good news we have for you is that the school has grown and progressed, and we, are now, we, ha- we now have 700 kids and 58 staff. So it's, it's, it's become a very, very, very big uh, school. And you remember that time I was pastoring a church, called the Blessed Mango Tree Church. As all of you can see, I am an Anglican bishop now. <laughs> so, it, 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 I was a, a, a clergy still in the Anglican church that time, and we were building a church called the Blessed Mango Tree Church. That name, the Blessed Mango Tree Church, was started by our young people, basically. We used to meet under the three mango trees. And my congregation would sit under two mango trees, and my pulpit was under one as a smaller mango tree. So the young people, I think it was by revelation, they were very innovative. They called them the Blessed Mango Tree Church, because these mangoes were different from other mango tree, tree, trees in our, in our area. Still, the good news I have for you is that we were able to build the building and finish it. And the building of that church, I really think blessed my heart so much. Not only my heart, but also blessed my ministry. On, uh, on, on, in uh, in uh, 2012, on 29th of January, is when the Bishop of Chigali, who was my bishop by then, turned up with, the, the all, all of you know the Anglican, can I call it a stick? We call it a staff. In the Anglican language, you know it is uh, kind of a stick, but like this. 
Yeah, so that's when the bishop turned up with his uh, staff to consecrate the church. Now, the way he does it is that he comes with his staff and we put somebody inside the building and the bishop says, uh, can I come in? And he hits the door with his staff. And then people inside, especially the, I don't know how you call them here, but it would be, we would be the head of the members of the church, whom we call the head of the vestry. And we'll open the door and say, you know, the Reverend Father in God, we welcome in our church, la, 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 so on. And then the bishop says, I, I consecrate this church in the name of the Father, of course, hitting it with his big staff, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so you open the doors. And he, he does that. We, de- we did that on, on January 29, 2012. Unfortunately, that was my last day in that church, pastor. <laughs> because, because on, on 22nd of December 2011, I had been appointed the new bishop of the Diocese of Changugu. I had just built one church, finished it, my bishop consecrates it. God promotes me from being a clergy to being a bishop. So now I am a bishop with 96 churches. Yeah, 96 churches. And uh, 12 schools. And a hospital. That's how far the grace of God can go. But of course the grace stretches you as well. So it's serious grace. <laughs> <laughs> very serious grace. It ends up stretching you. So now Now, because of the grace of God I have to pray many times so that God gives me wisdom of how to go about things. I, I would want to share with you this morning from the Bible as I tell you stories from our, our, our gospel rampage with Richard. Today is our last day of our, our tour that we've been doing around, around England, around the UK, I don't know. Around England, yeah, because we've been going many places, many places. And unfortunately, in Rwanda, you know where you are, by which side of the hill you are standing on. Because each hill has a different shape. And so here we've been going in the valley all the time like this, and I never get to know where I am. So I don't know if I've been going around the UK or around only England, but we've been going and going and going and going. And so now the gospel rampage brings us here today. To really share with you the, the grace of God that has been around us and upon us as we've been going around with Richard. Tomorrow he will be taking me to the airport as we conclude the grace. <laughs> and our tour has been having a theme called uh, Beauty from Ashes. Beauty from Ashes. It is a surprise. It's something you can't believe. 
that God can create something beautiful out of ashes. I really can't imagine. I still find it hard to believe that my country, Rwanda, has bounced back. And we are now called the nation of Rwanda. I can't believe that we now have our own elected president. I just can't believe it. I don't know, but it has happened. I can't believe that we now have our own currency, the Rwanda flank, is come back into existence. In 1994, our flank or our type of money, or I call it, I will call it the Rwandan, um, I call it the Rwandan pound, maybe for you to be able to understand it, but it's called a flank. It had been valued to zero. You could not buy anything with it, not even the smallest sweet. It had been devalued. It was useless. Nobody, it was no longer a legal tender. It could not buy anything. And whatever we would want to sell, we would have to sell in other currencies. Our hospitals could not function at all. The Red Cross had to fly in different volunteers from different countries to come and help us. Because most of our doctors had been killed, those who were remaining were traumatized, and the hospitals were at standstill. Our schools could not function because all the teachers had been killed, including their students. And some of our teachers had killed their students. And after killing their students, they ran away from the country. So the school system could not function because there was not even the minister of education. It was a country at a standstill. We were at a standstill. There was no system that was functioning. Our roads were riddled with grenades. Side loads on the side of the road, you would be very careful if you are driving. Otherwise, you drive, you drive on the top of a landmine. And in a very short time, you find yourself in heaven when you are not prepared to be there. So we had all those challenges. I remember in one of our schools, when we opened and the kids were praying around in the playground. They found something that looked like a little ball. And they were excited that they had found this nice ball. Because they had, the type of balls they had was made out of the peppers, wrapped, and they had managed to create their own balls. But now here was a ball that somebody had left behind. And the kids really liked it. You know, boys like to kick balls wherever you find them. But this happened to be a different ball altogether as they kicked it. It burst open. And none of them remained with either their lives, no parts of their bodies. It happened to be a landmine. They didn't know. They didn't know, children as they were. That was the type of schools that we started out with. Now the good news I have is that Rwanda is back. We have an elected government, we have a president, pastors are back on their pulpit, bishops are busy preaching the gospel, life is back. Where have we come from? I think we've come from hell, but we are not yet in heaven. 
We are somewhere in between there. Before I finish the gospel, maybe we will discover where we are. But that's the type of a country that I come from. A country that is raising again. Our money has value now. We can sell. We can buy. Oh, hallelujah. We can exchange with other people. The other day, me and Richard were invited to Becky and Taylor. Is, is that is Betty? Oh, no. It's not Becky. It's Betty. Okay, I must say it many times. So when I get to Rwanda, I don't make a mistake. But I'll say it when you are not hearing. <laughs> we were invited to this posh place. I tell you the truth. I almost wanted to leave my shoes at the door because the place was so neat. And then we went tea, tea testing. I can't do it like they did it. They are skilled. So we were here being treated like the lawyers because the gardens in Rwanda are back to life as well. You will be surprised that the life of plants, the life of gardens, the life of animals depends on well-being of a human being. Now, our gardens have also bounced back. And we are able to sell tea to Betty and Taylor. Unfortunately, when our tea gets here, it is called the Yorkshire gold tea. <laughs> so... <laughs> Shall we read briefly from our Bibles? I am taking my reading from Second Corinthians chapter 5. I want to read for you verse 19 and 20. Only. It's Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19. If you want, we can start from 18. It says, All this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. All this that I'm telling you is from our God. What a wonderful God we serve. What a good God we serve. We are, we are like resurrect, we've resurrected. We are back to life. We can walk and talk like other human beings. By the way, before I continue, I was not careful because I thought since you've listened to me twice, you now understand my accent, but I've got to be very careful. <laughs> do, you, do you understand my accent? What about those at the back? Is, is it okay? You know, recently when we were traveling on this tour, I don't remember the church where we were. I said, I think it was Toki, Tobe, one of those places. I said, do you understand my accent? <laughs> one old lady was so wonderful. She said, don't you worry, Bishop, because even our Pope speaks like you. <laughs> so it happens that the Catholic Pope has an accent in his type of talking, so he's like me. So I, I bet now you're putting up with many of us. But there we go, Second Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm reading verse 19, which says, I'm starting from 18, all this is from God, 
who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting many sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we therefore, on Christ is, we therefore, yeah, oh, is my English okay? <laughs> you know, this English is sometimes strange. You try to connect sentences, they don't seem to, to, to connect. And then you are surprised that the last word is the one which connects the whole chapter. So, I don't know, but that's how Richard and clan have made these things. Okay, we have to go back to verse 19. <laughs> says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting many sins against them, and has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We therefore, Christ is ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Christ, now, Pastor, I will ask your permission that I will preach as I preach in Rwanda. But I will not be long. I will try to keep the English time. Friends, we are having a challenge. We really have a challenge. And the challenge is becoming bigger and bigger as each day goes by. The challenge we have is that we feel we are called by God. We have a calling as a nation of Rwanda. We have a calling as the Church of Rwanda. We have a calling as the bishops in the Anglican Church of Rwanda. We have a calling. God is calling us to raise from ashes to beauty. It's a big challenge. Because as I was telling you, with all our past, where the fabric of our nation was torn into pieces where the fabric of our community was shattered, where the fabric that joins our families was cut into pieces and seems the cords that co coordinated us never seems to function again. However, that as it might be, we feel a voice, we feel a call, somebody's calling us to raise from our weaknesses to an area of strength. We feel God is calling us to raise from our past, to raise from hatred, to raise from envy, to raise from fights, to raise from killings, to an area of peace, to a community of peace, to a country that is known by peace, to a country that is a country of high technology. Right now in Rwanda, we feel God is calling us to make Rwanda a hub of communication, a hub of technology, a hub of the gospel preachers. We have a call, friends. We have a challenge. Because the voice cannot stop. The voice cannot stop. It keeps calling us, calling us. In fact, 
That takes me to verse 14. Look at verse 14. Because verse 14 is the one which is really troubling us. And we can't rest. We can't sit. We can't be still. We are disturbed. We cannot. Look at that verse 14. It says, for Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced, friends, brothers and sisters, the love of God is compelling us. Because we are convinced beyond reasonable doubt that God is calling us. We are really convinced. We are really convinced. We are not only convinced, but we are also convicted. Because of the call of Christ that has gone out to all of us Rwandans. The call started as a voice, as a voice of God. The call started as scriptures, and the call has been growing. Because the voice has been growing, then soon we began to hear it in our ears. It seems to have jumped out from the scriptures. It is no longer only a scripture in the Bible. It eventually turned into a voice, and the voice speaks in our ears. We feel God is compelling us. We are convinced. We are convicted beyond reasonable doubt, beyond reasonable doubt that God wants us to raise. God is calling us to raise from our areas of weakness. God is calling us to come out of genocide and genocide ideologies. God is calling us to change, to no longer be people who kill our own people. God is calling us to let our children grow so that they don't die when they are young. God is calling us. We feel a call, friends, and we can't rest. We are compelled. We are convicted. I mean, we can't stand this conviction. It seems to no longer be a conviction. It's now turned into a voice that speaks in our ears. And as days go by, this, this conviction and this voice is no longer a voice that speaks in our ears, but is going to speak also in the, in the ears of our hearts. This is gotten beyond we can handle. And so we can't keep quiet. We have to speak. We speak in our Gwandan and tell our fellow Rwandans. We speak in our Gwandan English and speak to our friends like you. Very white people today, this morning. I'm surprised that everybody's white. You know, this is very serious. Could this be the coldness? You know, Richard told me in... Oh, I keep forgetting that this one works. You know, you know I am not used to all these things. So if you see me going beyond them, please forgive me. Uh, forgive me. You know, Richard told me in 2000. 2011, that I promise you, on the next tour, we are going, I'm going to bring you when it is uh, summer. Now, since I came two weeks ago, we've not had summer. <laughs> so, but it seems to be coming now. Maybe it, is, it comes when I'm going. So this is very serious. So we are back to our text. We think in Rwanda we are convinced that all this is from God. And God is calling us Rwandans to be reconciled. For us to raise up to the challenge of God. 
to get to the area where God wants us. There is no any other way. There is only one road to reach where we are going. And that's the road of reconciliation. Now, we used to think the word reconciliation is just a simple word. That I will come to you and say, forgive me because I killed your uncle. I shall never do it again. And you also say, okay, I forgive you. You go in peace to love and serve the Lord. We never knew that reconciliation is an action. We never knew that reconciliation is a very taxing thing. We never knew that reconciliation causes fear. Fear grips you to go and face your enemy. We are now at a time in Rwanda where they are releasing all the murderers who murdered people during 1994 genocide. Because it's now 19 years down the road. And the government cannot keep all these prisoners. They have to let them go. And now how can they be received by the community where they killed their sisters and their brothers? How do the orphans receive the killers? But above all, how does their own family... Recently we had somebody released from prison. And when he got to his house, his children said, No, 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 that's the door. Go back. We cannot have a father who killed so many people like he did. Just go, go, go away, go away, go away. We don't want a father. We can do without you. Go, 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 go away. And the man came to church broken in tears saying, my own children have chased me. Please, pastors, can you help me to cause reconciliation between me and my own children? And our pastor Obadiah said, yes, we will help you. So Obadiah goes along with, the, with this man who had been released. And he summons the family with the prisoner. And the children say, pastor, please take away that man. Maybe let him go and live in the church. Maybe he will be different. And the pastor says, will you repent again to your children? Ask them to forgive you. Confess your sins. And so this man, who is in the late 50s, almost 60, is trembling in front of his own children who are 20, 21, 22. Because he has to confess whatever he did. Before his own children and even in front of his own wife. So that he can be accepted in his family. And then he goes, oh sorry, my children, my wife, I betrayed you. That's reconciliation. It is costly. It may cost your pride. It may cost your pride. It may cost your secrets. It may ask you to reveal a few things that nobody else knew. That's reconciliation and that's the road we are on as a nation. Because God is calling us beyond. God is calling us to a land. God is calling us somewhere. Yes, we can see. He's calling us to a beautiful place. We can hear it in the voice that he's calling us. That I want you in a better nation. In a peaceful country. But before you get there, this is the road where you have to pass. Richard and I have a very small lady in a kind of a box that directs us where we are going, says, on the roundabout, turn left. On the roundabout, do something, turn right. And I was telling Richard, I think I'm going to miss this lady when I'm driving in Rwanda. So the voice of God upon our nation is like the lady in, in that little 
little things. On the roundabout, turn left. The voice of God is telling us where to go. And for some reasons, we know the country where he wants us. It's a country of peace. It's where we should live as neighbors and respect each other, irrespective of our differences, either in color, in race, in age, in everything. That's where God wants us. It's beyond us. It's, it's, it's there. He wants us, and the voices come out. But he says, before you get there, you have to pass on this roundabout of reconciliation. And we are going around reconciliation, and it's costly. Because it causes us, we are embarrassed to tell our children that we killed. Can you imagine when you stand in, in front of your own daughter, who is 21, and you stand in front of your son, who is 2019, and in front of your own wife, and you have to tell them, forgive me, because I killed. And the children ask their father, Father, why did you kill our neighbor? Why did you kill the father of so and so? They are our great friends. You did so bad. How could you cause pain to that family? And after that, the children told their father, if you want us to forgive you, and that was the girl who is 21, is dragging his own dad and says, if you want us to forgive you, we are going to call those children. And their mother and all their relatives, on Wednesday, you will come and repent before them. And when they forgive you, we will take you in. If they don't, we will never have you as a dad. We are going to disown you. But for now, let the pastor take you away. We don't want to see you here. And the wife is there. You know, she feels like she wants her husband back home. But the children are tough. They don't want a murderer in their house. They are scared for their own lives. They want really to test and, and see if he's changed. And then on Wednesday, they called these, because these kids had grown up in the same schools, in the same church. They happened to be in the same choir, but they are called orphans because their father killed their father. That's the type of a country we live in. I hope it doesn't happen here. I hope it doesn't happen here. I hope you are a different human race. And you don't have such a type of human beings. But for us, that's how we are. And I am surprised that God still loves us and still talks to us. And so the children called this as a family. And the family came in. And the daughter, the girl who sings in the choir, stands up and says, The family of so and so. Here is my dad, who is arrested by guilt and sin. We are very sorry as a family that he killed your father. And the other family is broken in tears. Some want to raise up in revenge. But in Rwanda we've learned that revenge is not the solution. Because God told us on the way to the world that he's calling us to, to the better country that he's calling us to, the way through revenge village is not the way that will get us there. But the way to the peaceful land where God wants us is that peaceful roundabout of reconciliation. Embarrassing, deducing, shameful, but that's the village he wants us to go through. And so he says, we have refused to take in our dad unless you forgive him. If you don't forgive him, we are not going to take him back. 
And quickly the other family says, yes, we will forgive him. But he has to tell us how he killed our father and where he buried him. And on the, on the, and, 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 and the day we go to exhume his remains, he has to be there. And the man stands up in shame, in tears, in embarrassment, and says, I'm sorry that I killed your father. I never knew that this day would come. I never knew that you had the grace to grow. I never knew that you are a family full of resilience that you would bounce back. I am very sorry. I killed your father and I buried him there. I'll show you where I buried him. And I was invited to celebrate the service when the family was exhuming. Is that how you call it? Removing the dead person, the bones. And giving him a decent burial with the church service. With pastors around to give him a send-off. The family said, we forgive you. We don't forgive you for killing our dad. But we forgive you for showing us where you buried him indecently. So we can give him a send-off of love. So that we can value him. And we can call him somebody. That's where we are. And that takes me to verse 19 as I conclude. All this that you hear, which is happening in Rwanda, is from God. Who has called us and is still calling us to be reconciled? It's so funny that as we moved around the village of reconciliation, we found so many corners that we didn't know. One, before we reconcile with God, we are called to reconcile with our friends. I know that, Pastor, you here don't have differences. You are all good people. Nobody has any difference with anybody. But if you do, the Bible calls you to reconcile. <laughs> the Bible calls you to reconcile. Because if you want to get to the cross, if you want to get to that better world, you have to go through that roundabout of reconciliation. Forgive us our trespasses you are praying this morning. As we forgive those who trespass against us. So God told us, Rwandans, if you are going to get to that land, reconcile with your neighbor. And that's the story I was telling you. We are around reconciliation. Now, recently we discovered another corner that we never knew that lived in Rwanda. We are also being called to reconcile with ourselves. We discovered that there are Rwandans who don't love themselves. And the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But we discover there are people who don't love themselves. So how can you expect them to love their neighbor when they don't love themselves? And so God is calling us again to love ourselves, to love who we are, to accept who we are. Have you ever found that there are people... There are people said, I have a bad, my hands are longer, you know. I, I don't like them because my hands are longer. I, I want them a little bit shorter. And you really find somebody disturbed because they have long arms. Somebody says they have a big nose. I would like that little smaller one. I think all of you saw that American star Michael Jackson. He had to go and get his African nose kind of reduced into the type of a long white man nose. Now, I don't know which breeze is better. 
But he thought if he gets a smaller one, he's going to be better. Until he died, I think he'd never been better. So it seems the problem is not outside. The problem was not his nose. It seems the problem is inside. Why don't we love ourselves before we can even love our neighbors? We cannot reconcile with our neighbor. We have to reconcile with ourselves first. So God is calling us to reconcile with ourselves. And we Rwandans are working hard on it. And if you happen to be here this morning and you are not reconciled with yourself, the voice is going out. The voice is calling that please will you be reconciled with yourself. And for us, me and Richard and our friends and our churches and whosoever love us, we now have a ministry of reconciliation. This is interesting. We now have a ministry of reconciliation. On behalf of God, we have been asked, charged, convinced that we should speak out the ministry of reconciliation. As it is in Rwanda that we are called to raise from ashes to beauty, and so is you this morning who is listening to me. God is calling you to raise from your challenges, to raise from the area of weakness to an area of strength. God is calling you to challenge whatever has been challenging you. God is calling you to be an overcomer. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Oh, Heavenly Father, how can we pray to you? What language can we use? What words can we use? But we just use the simple words that you have availed to us. You are calling us to be reconciled to God this morning. Sisters and brothers who are listening to me, who have heard me preach, will you be reconciled to God this morning? Oh Lord, I pray for these individuals who need to be reconciled to God. May your spirit get to them and cause them to be reconciled to their God. I am sure as I was speaking this morning, God must have shown you, the Holy Spirit must have visited you and shown you somebody that you need to be reconciled to. Could it be your husband, ex-husband, ex-wife, neighbor? The voice of God says, be reconciled. It's a time of reconciliation. It's an opportunity to raise and challenge the bitterness that has been challenging you. I'm sure as I was speaking, expounding the simple words of God in my Rwandan English, the Holy Spirit must have challenged you to reconcile with yourself. And this morning I implore you, in Jesus' name, be reconciled to yourself. Be reconciled to yourself. Challenge whatever has been challenging you. Raise up to where God is calling you. Heavenly Father, I pray that this morning you move as you never moved. Touch these lives. Cause them to see what they've never seen. Give them courage that they've never had. Give them ability to step beyond. Give them ability to go around all those roundabouts of reconciliation that they can reach the destiny that you call them to reach. In Jesus' name, amen.